Shop Shopamaniacs. You are listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave in the shed. Rupert Winthing is Chris in the office. Coyer, hey, Chris, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, Dave. I yeah. heard um, um, on, a, on the old Mastodon, which I, I feel I'll pretty do. good about. Yeah. We should almost... Uh, that's a worthy topic one of these days. But uh, it was old Sam Cap was asking around about, um, you know, kind of like what's up with web performance and is there anything going on with web core vitals that I should know about? And you had uh, some advice for her to look at a new one, even though I don't think it's actually graduated to become a web core vital, but but is looking is looking pretty good. So I thought we could just maybe take a little bit of the early part of the show to talk about like what's happening in web performance. There's a couple of hot links recently and some interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's funny. I, like Sam had a really good question, just like, you know, how do you keep up with like a particular topic, not just like web development as a whole. And it's kind of hard, right? Like it's like you have to find the blog that really or the people that really do this thing. Um, and that's not always easy to track down, you know? Yeah, you'd think it would be tremendously easy. You'd think that would be the number one thing that some publications would attempt to do for you. But as a former publisher myself and publisher in the case of a podcast, well, you don't, one publication can't, eh, I don't know if it feels like it was hard to hit that mark. It's not like because you read CSS tricks, you knew every possible thing coming up with CSS. Like, mm, I don't even know if that was ever our explicit goal even. Yeah, you, you caught wind of a lot probably, or, or, you know, certainly when like a new feature landed. But, but it wasn't like, ooh, there's a new feature. Here's a comprehensive guide to, you know, how it was thought about, how you should think about it, the specs, the examples. Like, no, we just didn't, it didn't happen that way. It's, yeah, it's a little bit up to the, up to someone following the industry to kind of carve their own path there. So Sam's question was really relevant. I wouldn't have known how to answer it, um, but you did and you pointed to this. There's a web.dev article on it. There's a Calibre article on it. Um pretty interesting it's called interaction to next paint inp it mm -hmm. feels like one of those core vital acronym things to me that i like when i just look at the words or the acronym it is almost meaningless to me like i need to spend more time understanding it and then i'll be like oh i see what they mean and then it'll be locked in my head and then i'll get it but it definitely doesn't uh scream what it is right from the title of it. Yeah. I mean, so the the way I sort of interpret this metric is it's interaction to next paint. So if you click a button, how long does it take until the next paint like happens? And I think well, this I guess is that is more straightforward than I thought. So it's it's is a scroll an interaction? Is a mouse move an interaction? No. <laughs> but I, I think it's almost like when your page loads, they like click the first button they can find and and try to figure out how long it takes until that, you know, Ew. button click changes the paint. God, doesn't it depend on what it's doing? <laughs> sort of super, yes. But I, I think it's sort of like trying to like, you know, um, you know, maybe this is also one of those web vitals that is not like, oh, we have a how is it calculated? Um, oh, they 
So this is one of their their metrics that's not really like a lighthouse metric, you know, like I'm going to test your page on load. But I, I think there's something like that, like it's happening in there, but like time to interactive is sort of replaced by this. Could be wrong there. That was my impression. But it sounds like it's like IMP is calculated by observing all the interactions made with the page. So it's like kind of like Chrome data, you know. Oh, so it's not the first one. It's all of them. Anytime all you do of an interaction. Them, and then you okay. get kind of a score based on how that goes. So how would you donk it up? Like what would make a bad one? Like if you have so much, like every time you click it, maybe it has to do a network request to your analytics service and you don't paint the drop-down menu until you had a callback from your analytics service to said that that was recorded. Like you, you've obviously coded that incorrectly. So that would give you a bad score or something. How they score it is like good is under 200 milliseconds. 200 to 500 is needs improvement and 500 is poor. And that's sort of in the like, you know, you notice something is slow after 500 milliseconds. There's like some, or it feels non-reactive after like 400 milliseconds. If you ever watched Halt and Catch Fire, they talked about the Doherty threshold, which was 400 milliseconds. So like you press a keyboard key, it needs to show up in your terminal in 400 milliseconds or less. So, <laughs> I hope so. Jeez, it feels like one yeah. Could you imagine like, <laughs> yeah, could you imagine if it took longer than a half a second, it would just be like typing. That'd be horrible. I don't know on a treadmill going backwards or something. I don't know. It'd be so bad. Um, you'd make a lot of mistakes too. It feels like also like uh, I mean, you could just go in CSS. You can have a you know transition delay or a transition duration. The default is zero point two seconds, so that's two hundred of your of your milliseconds right there, almost. Like that feels weird, you know? Yeah. I, I wonder how this is going to impact. I, like, you know, it's still experimental, we should say, right? But there's just like, you know, if you like, you click, right? You click a button, there's pointer, I guess, pointer up happens, right? And mouse up, and then the click event yeah. fires. And then a render happens, and then a paint happens, right? And the user sees it, right? I, you know, we started doing a lot in that click event, right? Go hit the ad service, go hit the, uh, you know, go fetch data, go uh, like, oh, I'm not going to load in this component until I am mousing over it or something like that, you know? So like, I, I'm curious what this is going to kind of do for a lot of like a performance tricks, but then B just like, how people expect, but you know, like, well, it's a tied up thread too. Cause let's say all it does is class list dot toggle and all it does is toggle a class. Well, that's great. That should be fast, but it depends on what your main thread is doing. Otherwise, like if that, yeah. if that gets punted because it's super busy doing some other crap, then it won't paint and you'll get a lower score. So, you know, it's it, it feels like in spirit of the rest of the core vitals. The core vitals were these metrics that a little bit turned performance on their head because we used to own, care about things like how weighty is the page? How many kilobytes is the page? And if you can reduce 422 kilobytes to 394 kilobytes, that's a perf win. Mm -hmm. And Core Vital said, no, we don't care about that. That's irrelevant. That's a side effect number. They said, we care about stuff like 
how long it takes to paint the page, which is what an actual user actually cares about because it shows up. So if your 400 kilobyte page had renders faster than the smaller one does, who cares how big the size was? It only matters how quickly it got to your user's eyeballs. And everyone said, clap, clap, clap. That's nice. That's tying performance to actual reality, how it uses to paint a web. And that, this feels in line with that. This is like trying to measure reality. How does it feel to use the website? Does it feel fast? Yes. Okay. You're doing a good job then. Seems cool to me. Oh. Can Can I tell you where I see this interaction to next paint fail? I have an example that I use daily. Do okay. you use Slack? Do you Slack? At, I do. Code? Do you know? Mm -hmm. Do you use Huddles at Slack? Uh, no, but I know what you mean. Okay, when you click the Huddle button, it's like two and a half seconds before you join the channel. Like so, and so there's this minute there where you're like do I need to click this again? And you click it again and it shoots you out of the channel. And so you're like, oh, I have to click it again. Like, it's like a slow, like, it's like, and it doesn't give you like the bloop bloop, like, hey, you're doing something. It just, or it shows you like, hey, you're going, but nothing happens. You're not on the call or anything. So I think like that's like an example. Um, I think what's also interesting, worth noting about this INP thing is it's like pulling, it's starting to hint at like, you know, um, Chrome usage data is showing 90% of a user's page time on page is spent after it loads, right? So it's starting to get into that whole single page app measurement sort of stuff. So like, okay. if you're, you're like, you know, this is a thing like Evan Yu from Vue always says, like, it doesn't matter how fast it loads, like users are going to be on it. It's an app, not a website. That's fine, Evan. <laughs> like, you're not wrong. But like, are they having a good time after that? Like if you if you just say like loading speed doesn't matter, bye, you know, that's one thing. But are they having a good time after that? And and I think this will kind of at least start getting us in the ballpark. I do wonder about like fetch events and stuff like that, how that factors in, because maybe it does factor in, but like how's you know, I can't really control server speed necessarily, you know. So but I guess the, that does matter to the user. So I don't know. I know what you mean. I, it's like you, you can't ignore the, to me, that's it's tantamount to that cached hits matter too. Yeah. That like, I, I know it's more interesting and more in vogue to talk about totally uncached hits. And I would never say that doesn't matter, but like. There is a such thing as long running sessions. There is a such thing as primed caches and stuff. And those experiences are are not to be ignored. Um, where I was kind of headed with some of it is that there is there's kind of old school metrics um, that are almost coming back to be cool again. Like time to first bite is not a web core vital, mm -hmm. but it's a classic one. And I, I've always enjoyed that one because it's like you open that network tab when you reload a website. There's the first request on every website is always the same. It's always the HTML that comes from the server. There might be some handshake or, I don't know, pre-flighting or something that happens. Or I don't know, remember the whole life cycle of it. But the, always that top line is like the browser needs some HTML in order to do, know what to do next. Mm -hmm. And it, that number can be wildly variant. We got kind of used to it being really fast in the age of, you know, really good caching and, you know, Jamstack and all that stuff. But it didn't always used to be that way. Like you could certainly write a really slow Rails app where that would be like 
two seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two seconds would be awful. Yeah. Time to first bite because it needs that HTML in order to do everything else. So, like getting that really fast matters. And you know, I just finished reading an article today about somebody that's that that tested the time to first bite essentially across all the different services all around the world, and like super narrowly, Cloudflare pages one, you know, in most regions or something. So they switched to that just for that. You know, again, not a core vital, just kind of an interesting, interesting metric. And, you know, how do you get faster at that and stuff? Because it does matter. And this I'm trying to tie it back to an article that you just shared in the Discord recently from Tim Cadillac, who was reevaluating the how much does server side stuff matter and how much does front end stuff matter. And that was interesting. Yeah, because I was going to go there, too. Like, as you're talking, like, it's like the. There, there was an old eighty twenty rule from Steve Souders, Yahoo, all the like, like twenty percent of the time is spent waiting for the server, and eighty percent of the time is waiting for the front end. You know, um, and part of this is like servers are like we're fast, you know, and but Tim was like, hey, uh, browsers have like gotten a lot faster, so maybe this is better. And so he looked at like the top thousand pages or whatever, and um, it's not better. It's maybe worse. It's maybe a 90-10 rule, <laughs> so not 80-20 anymore. Uh, 90% of the work is done on this server, so uh, or the front end, the client. So Right. And it, it's not necessarily like a, pr- I don't know, I, I don't read it as a problem, right? It just means that 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 it just means that it's still true that you need to care about what's happening on the front end more or spend more time on that if your time to first bite and and generally network requests are are still fast like if that's still like in the few low hundred milliseconds or whatever Oh, fine, you know, <laughs> now yeah. focus your effort on front end stuff. It is still true, though, that if that's bad, your front end speed cannot overcome bad server speed. They're like, right, it's a chain. There's still prerequisites. A server is a prereq of that. So even though it's 90 yeah. 10, if that 10 is really bad, whatever, you, I don't know. And that 90 10 is generally not for your website. You know, it could be 50 50 for your website. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. We we have uh, terrible performance on Luro, I should say. So, um, but we care about performance. But we have terrible, um, like when we run our lighthouse. Some of that is like, Nuck. We do uncached loads, and Nuck's like pre will try to prefetch all this script that it doesn't use on the page, and that makes Lighthouse angry, right? Uh, so we're like overloading, if that makes sense. And we could probably tailor that down and like only load the parts we're actually going to use, you know, and and prefetch that, um, or like maybe like defer the parsing of that script, like we actually don't care, you know, stuff like that. Um, but the I, I think what's like also happening is because we've moved to like server side Nux, now our server as actually like our time to first byte is kind of lousy, and so. Um, you know, this all gets better with Nux three, but we got to like make a jump to Nux three, and that's going to be like forever away. So, <laughs> so or, or at least like Q four stuff. So, um, anyway, so like jumping without like replatforming, what can we do? And so there's a few stuff, few things we can do to like, you know, some slide of hand size images correctly, stuff like that. But like 
man, we got, we, you know, it's going to be a back end front end job to get this all finished out. So, um, to get hundreds across the board, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I think the first step is knowing you're right. The first step is knowing how bad your situation is. The second step is like coming up with a plan to manage it. And then the third step is doing it. Right. So that's why it's, it, it, it relates to this podcast too, as every time we get like some existential question from somebody about what we should do or how I should think or anything, you're like, okay, well you took the, you've, you've already taken a couple of pretty solid steps. You yeah. Know? You yeah. already care and you care so much that you're actively seeking answers. I mean, like, gosh, you're probably more than halfway there already just by caring and thinking about it. Yeah. No, I was thinking about, I forget what I was thinking about that. Like just the other day, it's it like the fact that you even care, you're, you're just light years ahead of your competition in the workforce. Uh, so I, I think like that's, um, you know, good. I think it was something about like somebody was asking about accessibility or something, but it's like the fact that you care, you're just so far ahead. So, um, not, cause not everyone cares and not everyone keeps up with the, what the web does, you know, not everyone. And that's fine to each their own, but, uh, that's uh people right now they're listening to a podcast about web development in their spare effing time like that's that's weird chris like <laughs> there's uh, there's other stuff you could do you could be listening to people play dungeons and dragons or a murder mystery but you're listening to web development uh that's a positive sign that's a positive thing so yeah, uh, like yeah. your your career building yourself, it's good anyway. So I always thought that was a I don't know, almost like a cheat code I had for for life. It was it just so happens that like something I find relatively entertaining is this kind of thing. Not necessarily listening to our show, but I listen to lots of different shows and blogs and stuff, and I read it and do all my like RSSing and YouTubing and all that stuff. Uh, you know. There's some negative implications to this too, but as a hobby almost, like I actually kind of find it fun. And that is like a, I say it's a cheat code because it's like, it becomes useful then. Like when something comes up, I'm like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's the HSTS list built into Chrome browsers or blah, blah, blah. And the only reason I know that is because I read something about it one time almost recreationally. Right. Not because of my career experience, but because my hobby helped me get there. Yeah. It's like, now you know HSTS. Now your company's website like shows up in Chrome faster and only because you listen to some dumb podcast, you know? So it's weird stuff, man. So speaking of industry podcasts, congrats to uh, Syntax for on their acquisition uh, to Sentry. To congrats to them. Uh, that's... Uh, pretty amazing so i think they they do a good show so they deserve uh getting acquired sounds so. like scott's going to sentry full time and i'd love to know all the details just like the you know the nitty-gritty like how many employees did you have before are some of them going and some of them not and did you get any equity and you know is the, so the all the stuff's gonna be free is that that's crazy, right? Because I'm sure there was a big amount of revenue that was coming in for that. Does, are you just going to turn it off immediately? And was the deal actually worth so much money that the revenue from all those sales of courses is just having it just be gone is somehow fine? And, you know, I don't know. Like there's, a, there's always like you want more, way more data than they'll ever make public. You know? Oh, yeah. I'm always that way. I always 
don't know, fantasy, uh, fantasy VC or something like that. Like I, I just kind of like think like, Hmm, what, what could the pot potential, uh, equity merger breakdown be? But, um, uh, I think it's cool. I, th- I think it sounds like they are able to do more together than, than apart. And, you know, it could just be straight up like century is like, Hey, we've paid this much in ads. You, <laughs> you should just be our thing. But uh, anyway, I don't know. That's a, uh, that's maybe overstating it, but you know, it, there's somebody, somebody looked at a spreadsheet and made a decision that this would be worth it. So so I think that's pretty cool. I guess two parties looked at a spreadsheet and said, let's go. So that's, yeah, that's a yeah. pretty big deal. So Scott even, or uh, Wes even reached out and was like, yeah, I don't know, they were giving away a bunch of swag or whatever and wanted, gave some to me. So I took the opportunity to, um, to you know, to congratulate him on, on all the stuff. And he's like, and I was like, yeah, you know, I almost kind of, I just did the like, you know, I'm also familiar with content-based acquisitions, you know, <laughs> like yeah, I've yeah, yeah. kind of gone through it a little bit myself. And, um, you know, there's some unfortunatenesses with that and that, you know, it was kind of like, oh man, this company that clearly values content is going to pour a bunch of, you know, have a whole team behind it and make more content than I ever could and stuff. And that's kind of what we're hoping for happens to syntax. It just seems really likely because like, they did a podcast with the guy at Sentry whose idea it was and is a founder and they're going to that company to do that and are talking about all the ideas in which to do it. That is just different, you know, like I didn't go to the acquiring company because I had, you know, too many other things going on and the other company wasn't acquired and like, and then they just didn't, they didn't put the people behind it. Um, so it's, you know, it's just, it was unfortunate, but. Well, but you know, I, I do think that is like, says a lot, like that person came on, that person tied their name to the, to century, you know, like, uh, like they have created a, uh, immortal blood bond that, that they must forever uphold. I think that's good. Hey, that's, uh, you know, there, there's lots of people are learning on the internet and I think you know, creating a learning resource takes a lot of time, takes a lot of money, takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of brains and people. And I, you know, I, I see the value in like saying, like, hey, uh, let's go this way. So, you know, I think that's... It, it stifles it too. If the people that are expected to do that also have to, you know, be their HR department and all that. You've talked about that before, like how the amount of tasks there are to run any company. It's just, it's just outrageous. It's amazing how much got, work. Yeah. I got a blog post somewhere. <laughs> do I have, I, I haven't posted it. I um, remember it though. It was just like the list of stuff you have to do is, is, is egregious. It, you know, it's, it's known though, you know, that's why yeah. people go work for Wells Fargo or whatever, because that entire list goes away. All of it. You just, mm-hmm. you show up and you put your Yubi key in and you get on a zoom call and you go home, you know, for sure. No, I mean, yeah. Like you just have, yeah, you just wake up and you don't have to worry about that stuff. And it's awesome. I, I imagine it's awesome. I actually literally don't know. So I've only been in hard mode my whole damn career. So like, yeah, does, does one, do one day I just walk up and I 
don't even own a friggin' laptop or maintain it. I just like open it and do work in it. And then I close it and say goodbye. So that would be interesting. Right. So. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, it might be life is long and I don't, you know, <laughs> I, I also like feel like I don't, I don't own a jet. Like, so. you know, I'm, I mean, yeah, I know. Well, a, a tiny plastic robot Gundam, but I don't own a jet yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I own lots of those, but like, I, I don't want to like, over glorify founders and entrepreneurs, you know, like I, I am that, but I like, I, I don't, I don't like over glorifying it, you know, but, but these people do a lot of work. Like if you're operating, you know, you've got like a legal thing, a corporate email system, some user authentication, some user email system, privacy controls, you're managing code, you're managing like hosting, you're managing some kind of deployment machinery, you're managing security, privacy, error logging. Oh my God. We just working on your SOC too, your whatever. Uh, yeah. Like it's, it, there's so much that goes into it, I, but, but it's all people, right? Like people build the company, you know, it doesn't like, that's what we should value and reward is the people, not like the, the CEO, you know, entrepreneur kind of whatever the musks or whatever. But like, I just, I, I do, I do know firsthand the amount of work that goes into it and it is overwhelming and exhausting. And, and, but like, you know, there's sometimes a drive to do it. I am very, <laughs> I'm curious about the part where you don't have to do all that stuff. So, <laughs> but, uh, right, 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 right. Isn't that more likely that, that you're excited about an acquisition because you're going to do less of it. So that is interesting. You know, you know, we got started about this talking about Wes and Scott. It sounds like they probably will get to do some degree less of it. One thing immediately, um, which we're, we've, we dabbled in, but didn't get very far is not having to have sponsors, you know? So, oh, well, they talked about in the, their podcast, like, no ads and and they're like hallelujah this is great like this eliminates so much back and forth and so many emails and so i mean it weared on us both i mean I, the thing is I, i'm grateful for it and in even even now i mean this is hopefully not a too weird of a show to, to don't break to an ad here <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> But like, I'm grateful for working with Mark at Front End Masters because I I do think that they do a good product and they're just ridiculously easy to work with and realize the value in like letting people say what they want to say on a podcast, all that stuff. I feel like I have to throw out that caveat. But like for every nice, good, easy person to work with, there was one that was absolutely not easy to work with that would, you know, wait for you to run the ad and then, you know, demand your male, female breakdown numbers before they paid your bill or something. And you'd be like, I don't even have that. Why would I have that? I, what yeah. are you talking about? Pay your bill or so, or something horrible, you know, like. We didn't like the way you enunciated this word. So even though this is already published, can you go back and edit the <laughs> the way that you said this word yeah. or something? And you're like, I, I don't know, I guess, you know, because the, if you're if you're killing that game the best that you possibly can, you say, yes, of course I can. I would be happy to do that for you. In fact, it's already done. Listen to this new cut 
that's perfect now. Is that up to now? Because if it's not, I'll do it again. You know, because that's customer service. That's doing it right. That's, that's, and then say, and then two days later say, oh, we have a great opening for you in, in June. We have a perfect spot to put you at. This is our We have high profile guests. The, like this stuff's oh, yeah. happening. Yeah. And in in. fact, if you don't like that guest, just wait till the next month. We have, we have another one too. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm going to hold this spot for you because I like, that's killing it at that job. I, I can't, I don't have the time for it. I do, you know, like they had a list of all the stuff. That's, that's what I'm working on. The 500 other things, which makes me bad at all of it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, touche. Yes. No, um, no, that like at, at some point, yeah. Right. Like it's plate spinning and well, I'm going to drop the one that's like, what editing a 30 second ad spot for the next four hours, you know, that's, that's the one that's going to drop, right? Like, yeah. Or delivering a kind of bummer email that said, Oh, I'm sorry. That episode actually already came out. And even if we were to edit it, like nobody's actually going to get that edited version. So there's really no work in it. That's honest, but it's also like, it's not the best answer for somebody who just gave you some money and it's not fostering the idea that they're going to give you some more money later. Yeah. Well, and I, I have, um, you know, I would, I think you have some visibility into this. I think like 2% of my job is emailing people back saying, no, you cannot be on the show. And that sounds terrible, but it's usually these like, Hey, you should have my boss. Like they make it sound like a li- their listener, but it's just the same foreign email that happens every time. And it's like, Hey, you should have my boss on. He's like million revenue man, you know? And you're like, okay. And I just made like a text uh, expander, you know, that was just like, Hey, appreciate you thinking of us, but we've had bad experiences with like guest solicitations in the past and we don't do this anymore. And I feel like that's true. And, uh, and I just was like, you know, and they, they said, Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. And then occasionally somebody's like, oh, man, but have you done our guest? They might flip your mind on that. And I'm like, nah, no, don't. But it's probably it's like one or two percent of my job is just responding with this text expander. So, um, yep. Yep. But hey, I, that's all to say. Um, podcasts are work. It's, uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> acquisitions can take uh, if they can ease some of that burden. That's great. You know? So, yeah, yeah. Hopefully that wasn't too much uh, overly nuanced there. Overall, big congrats to the to the syntax boys. Good yeah. job. You know, no, that's awesome. Shop talk is also for sale. You know, pick us yep. up, you know, pick good, up. Price. good price, good price, you know, yep. a lot of people that make stuff don't have content. We have a deep catalog of content that could uh, that could come for you. You know, ideally it's a barbecue sauce company, uh, yep. but I'll settle for whatever. Uh, roofing shingles, um, you know, we, we lots of That'd options. Be good. Uh, yeah. we, 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 we are available. So yeah. Gaming beverages. Oh even yeah. More idea. Uh, coder fuel, game fuel, reach out. We already got the brand established guys. <laughs> reach out. <laughs> This episode of Shop Talk Show 
is brought to you by Front End Masters. There are so many courses on here, the highest possible quality courses, you know, almost focused on like you're maybe you're already a front end developer and you need to like learn a new technology or really level up. You definitely can be a beginner, too. So, you know, think of that. But, you know, I think a lot of people that listen to this show are kind of in that intermediate zone. This is the place for leveling up and learning new technology. We got courses on here about Next.js with Scott Moss. We got, you know, Ben Hong on here, Brian Holt, Kent C. Dodds, you know, Sarah Drasner's on here. Nobody I'd trust more than Jen Kramer to teach intermediate HTML and CSS. Just amazing. The best of the best. And Dave. Hey, I got a web components <laughs> course up there. I don't know how I slipped in, but I did. And it, let me tell you, it's going to teach you web components. And uh, so, yeah, if you're interested in that, I think I feel like they're a hot topic this year. So people should go sign up and, and watch it. Yeah, Dave, you're, you're early to the game as usual. You know what's you know what's going to be big. I, I use my code smeller and I smelled out the next big, big one, baby. Yeah, dude, web components are not going anywhere. And you might as well learn them now. Check it out at Front End Masters. You know what I need is like a remember you at one point you're gonna do like a like a web component sommelier. Hopefully I'm not like ruining that. Chris, yes I am the web component sommelier. What are you in for tonight? Well, do you have a flavor tickling your palate? Uh, yes. Yeah. I need a card component that has two variations and whatever, and then you're going to tell me what yes, it is. Yes, I think, I think you would love this card. <laughs> this is, okay, this is from Scandinavia. It is the Nord Health Stack component. It goes horizontal, it goes vertical, it does everything you want. It is just a beautiful, beautiful piece of code. It is, a, it is this is Nord Health. It is very popular design system. <laughs> Mm-hmm. What's the, what, are, what are we talking kilobytes? Oh, it's, I don't have the bundle on me, but it's a very good, very good size. It's, it's very, very few kilobytes. It's all very Flexbox based. And yes, you will love are there it. Are container queries built in? Or? This I do not know, but you'll get uh, notes of vanilla and notes <laughs> <laughs> of cinnamon and cardamom. Yes. Yeah. I do want a, a YouTube one, though. You know, because I feel like I, 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 there's so many streamers and what I, you know, I, I guess it all starts on Twitch, whatever, you know, like I'm a YouTube guy. So whatever, if you're producing high quality video, I assume that you're at some point propagating that stuff to YouTube. It seems crazy if you don't, yeah. um, but whatever. So, you know, the, a video game comes along or something and I want to watch it. The chances of it being covered by lots of different streamers is high to me, especially if it's a relatively popular video game or something. And I, I need the sommelier to help me hone my tastes. I feel like I, I, the more popular they are, the more surfaced they're going to be when I search for it. And then it'll just be some kid, you know, and it's a dark room and they have a red light behind them and it's in some impossibly wonderfully high resolution. And then you watch them play and then it just turns out that you just don't really like their personality. You know, you're just like, Oh, you're an idiot. You know, like, why am I watching you play this game? It's all inside jokes and crap that I don't care about. But then I'll look, look for the same game and it'll say no commentary on one or something. You'd be like, Oh, that's kind of nice. Cause then you're, I don't have to listen to some idiot make crude jokes or whatever, but then it's kind of boring too. 
you know? So you're like, I need a sommelier to be like, ooh, you'll like, you know, you'll like this woman. She, you know, she just plays the game and, you know, makes intellectual jokes occasionally, but for the most part stays out of the way. I feel like, wouldn't that be a great life thing? You know, just like, I don't know. I, I feel like I've wrecked my YouTube algorithm to it, to the point it cannot make me recommendations anymore. I've like one YouTube, I feel like, uh, I just wish, yeah, I now need a human to be like, have you seen these videos? And to some degree, like, Kotki is my human. Uh, yeah. But, right. like, it's like, have you seen this video about Japanese manhole covers? And it's like, well, now you've got me. <laughs> right. But that just comes at, it just comes at you live. You know, like you, you just are just waiting to be fed stuff. But sometimes I need to to guide it, you know, like I need maybe, maybe there needs to be a Kotki AI bot or something, but it would be nice for everything, you know, to just to kind of intercede in your life to make sure that you're not making a, a decision that's, that's worse than it could be. Like if, you know, I'm shopping for new roof tiles or whatever, just to keep the roofing analogy going, where's my little floating bot to make sure I don't buy the wrong roofing tiles or that I know that at least some cool kind of European roof is possible or something, which I wouldn't even know if I was just had to make the decision by myself. I need like a sommelier for everything. Yeah. No, I, I mean, you got to start with web components, but, um, but no, they, I, they, I, I wish, I think there's a future where that works. Like, like, you know, especially when it's automatable, you know, it's like, like if I type in washing machine, like another tab or side window should just go up and pull up the wire cutter for best washing machine 2023 or whatever. Like, like it should just do that automatically or like, yeah. And convert those into the Amazon links or whatever it is, you know, like, I feel like that's like step zero, you know, um, who knows? Maybe that'll come. Maybe that's arcs money play. You know, that's a, Arc, if you need ideas, hit me up. But um, mm. you know, doesn't it seem like Arc like this? I'm so into split panels. I'm like literally have you open in a split, split panel right, right now. now. I'm yeah. using web.dev and how does no browser have split panels? This is crazy to me now. Now that I just I just split all day. I'm just splitting it up. Oh no! Like you get a code review and the website, like the PR branch. Yeah, <laughs> it's dude, come like, on. It's the stupidest, best innovation. Like. I, I can look at the code that changed and the website that changed. Oh my god! Right, <laughs> like, or literally writing anything. I'm oh, tend to yeah. be writing about something, and the uh, the that something is in the other split. It, it it's yeah yeah. Uh, I hate to fanboy about Arc too much, but it, it just like there's so much. It's just like hey, you know, I was doing a thing. I was doing like a you know, like emitting events to segment. You know. And it was like, well, I'm clicking around my local host and then I'm like switching tabs and going to, and I was like, no, stop this. I'll just pull it up in a split tab. So I click around and I'm seeing the events show up real time in my like test environment. Mm. Dang you. Segments. So cool. I wish we could. It was one of those products we got priced out of kind of, but it's, it's just um, too, too expensive for our stuff. I got a startup credit, but um, <laughs> but, nice. So uh, kick that can down the road, but uh, you can self-host it for the for oh, the really? record. Interesting. Um, well, but I just haven't gotten there yet because you kind of need to. 
I, you know, you got to be sending your data at least two places for it to be worth it, you know, and, I, and then I didn't have that going for a minute. So, but it is a great product. I feel like people need to be using segment, although isn't it similar in spirit to the, so I know we have a bad habit of not explaining stuff. The idea is you put seg rather than putting three different analytics services, JavaScript libraries on your website, you put segments really incentivized to be small and efficient library on your page. It goes to segment, then it propagates that data out to those three services. So it's way more efficient. It's, a, it's like the best use of a middleman ever, right? Um, that's the thing that you can self-host if you if you are so inclined. Um, but you know, do you actually have three places you need to send your data to? And then there's some kind of fancy one called, but I guess it was still client side. It just happened in a web worker. It has some really cool name. But the Party idea is tab? that. Party, yeah, that's it. Party town. Yeah. What a weird name for that. It does all that analytics sending out, but it does it as a worker, so it never blocks the main thread and all that. But I guess it's still it's still client side, so it's not as efficient. It's as still segment. client side, there'll still be like a you know network a post traffic message, and, something. Yeah, network traffic. Um, I, I I mean, I think party town's great. I think you could do both. You could put segment in a party town too, you know, and yeah, just like, you could. It, and it's like always off the main, never blocking the UI. Um, what I think I like about it is um, you can use segment, but then you can also, you know, um, you, you, what's cool about it is you could try other things. Like we're not at this level at all. Like we're, we are, probably I don't know more on the ignorant side just because we like don't put a whole lot of value in like metrics and stuff like that but then like we like we're being asked questions and we're trying to find some answers just about like activation and stuff like that you know right um but we uh but but so anyway we we were just like trying to like do this as easy as possible but like if you want to try something huge like what's the big one um not like um, i have data dog in my brain but that's not it mix panel that's a big one like and that's like yeah. charts and graphs and segmentation and like the minute we hire a marketing person i bet we gotta put a mix panel in there for social you know or whatever it is you know without segment you have to retool the application you have duplicate event codes let's send this to google analytics let's send this to june which is another cool product but let's send this to mix panel uh like like that's a lot of code overhead but with segment in the mix we just send it to segment and segment sends it out so like that's way more efficient that's way better so and then and it's all a universal api and there's all this other stuff i we're not into this at all so don't you know but like data lakes and warehouses and stuff like that where you just create so much user data we're not doing like we again we're just trying to figure out like do people like us that's what we're trying to figure out um but like there's like all this you know like stuff you can do with data um that you need you know in theory if it if you prioritize it you need like a big warehouse for it so like a big cold storage for old user data or whatever so i'm like really sour on the whole Th that type of analytics data thing, I think there's something wrong in the industry about it. If you look at what like just a standard grade mix panel integration would be for for our scale, which feels like it's medium. It's not we're not huge Google or whatever, you know, it would just be outrageous. It'd be five figures for sure. 
Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, why? So you can store some JSON data thing. I, just, you know, not that it's a bad product. I just think the pricing is just whack on it. I, I yeah, that that's sort of the mystery meat of all of this. Is just you know they they track by like events, you know, which you can control by not sending as many events, you know. Um, but then they're, or they're like, you know, if you have X number of monthly active users, which we fall under all thresholds, um, and you wouldn't, you know, it's like, if you go over a thousand or 10,000 monthly active users, it's like super cost town. Yeah. So then they wank you. Yeah. Because they figured that's, a, I, 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 my guess is that's what it is, is that you, you're either a startup and you can't afford it yet. And then as soon as you can afford it, you're, you're doing so well that, it becomes this trivial or easy to swallow cost. Executive salary for like that's how Google Analytics works. It used to be every website in the world had that on it. Maybe it still does. I don't know. It seems somehow less popular to me than it was, but it was like a no-brainer. You just sign up for Google Analytics, you get their little thing and you put it on your website and you get a bunch of analytics data. It's free, 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 free. Mm-hmm. Boy, not in startup land, man. No, you, you hit some scale level like Google Analytics. It's just as bad as Mixpanel. Worse. Yeah. No. I mean, and that's used probably like our ejection point as well. It's like at that point we should kind of know what's going on, you know. But I'm sure there's something I'm missing, and I'm not talking about it as intelligently as I could because certainly there's some. We explored some stuff like I don't know, just do 10% of page views then now your 10% is small and you still get pretty good data. It's not quite that clean because you'd probably have to do it by a cookie or something as you need the, you know, you need, if, if one user gets it, you can't just not record their next page view and record some other rando. You kind of want it to follow the user. So, and if it's just logged in people, you could, you know, do their user ID mod 10 or something, but it's like, I, I don't know. For some reason, I just mentally hate that. Like either have good data or you don't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It, there's, it, it's tough too. Cause I, I don't actually believe in there is good data. I mean, with like content blockers and just, you know, people like, you know, I have a, I have some friends that block it at like with the pie hole, like at the, their router level, they block requests and stuff like that, you know? So it's like, Oh, so you kind of doubt the data period. <laughs> I, I, I think there's a case to be made that the data we all make data driven decisions on is incorrect, you know, or imperfect, you know, we had a situation where in auth zero, right. That's our auth provider that we use, which mm-hmm. another pricing wowzers sometimes, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sponsoring the show. Uh, but they, uh, <laughs> I don't know if they have uh, off the top of my head, but um, it's a good service. But it, anyway, it's um, so some people log in, like create an account, and then they'll come back the next time and just click the login with Google button. Well, that shows up as like two users, you know? And so it's like, while that data is true, two users, two different <laughs> email, or I guess, two accounts with the same email have logged in is still the same user on our side of things. Does that make sense? And we could do database counts, I guess, but you know, how do you make, like, how do you know it's the same user and show them their stuff? It, it'll just be is like it email based. Yeah. Email based. So if you, yeah, like, that's what we do too. Like, 
Dave at Gmail and then Dave at Gmail, it's like, oh, oh that's the same person. So it, it comes back as the same person, but um, it's just they auth different. Yeah. But, For some reason, somehow, amazingly, it hasn't bitten us in the butt. I always thought that it would because there's another way you can do it. You know, you could you can like do it like token based or something that way. Because right now, this is what I assume would happen, but doesn't for some reason, is that let's say you signed up for CodePen. At the moment, we make you pick a password anyway. So once in a while, we will get an email that says, oh, when I signed up, I like signed up through GitHub Auth. And I'll be like, well, yeah, I mean, maybe you did, but like you still had to pick a password. So you, there's a 100% chance that you can log in. Like you don't have to use GitHub Auth. You can always just use your email and uh, and log in. But in some people's minds, it's like, they click that button so they're forever stuck using that one or something. Or that you have to auth some other one that like you use GitHub, but now I'm going to use Facebook OAuth too. So now I can use either of those two or something. But we just key it off email as you do. Apparently that's more common. But let's say then that you were to go into GitHub and change your email address in GitHub, which you of course can absolutely do. Then you use GitHub login again on CodePen. You, that's not going to work you're going to get the wrong account or we're going to tell you you don't have an account or something because we get that email from the GitHub OAuth and and match it to your, your CodePen one. Somehow we just get no support about that. <laughs> so yeah. Apparently well, people I, just keep their email. It, right? Yeah. Well, I wonder too, like what will happen if you did the plus trick, like Dave plus Luro at Gmail or whatever, and then yeah, that you wouldn't work. <laughs> sign in with Gmail. Yeah, I'm sure like my server is just going to go, I don't know, man, I try it. I don't know. I don't know who you are. So, I don't know. Websites, they're fun. <laughs> yeah. This part of this stuff is not fun for me, but I'll, I'll be 100% true. Yeah, it'd be fun to just you know, focus on. Th that's what I fantasize about. Can I just focus on the these little like UX details all day? It's like, yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Over on the CSS Tricks blog, they had a post on pass keys, like the new uh, iOS uh, that that came in iOS and is not an actually an iOS thing. It's like a everybody thing. Yeah, it's on Android phones too, right? Oh, that's cool. These are so cool. I think they're cool. I don't know. Uh, it's like a a fetch. You send a fetch to the browser. Like you just say, hey, authenticate this person. The browser's like, cool, okay. Your computer browser's like, oh, they must use their phone. So I'm just going to throw up the phone QR code that they scan. Your, or your phone like starts buzzing because it's connected to your computer. And then you say, yeah, use this website. And so then, you have to click a yes. It's so it's it's by nature two factor. It's yeah. It's it's only two factor if that makes sense. There's no passwords. It's just like you've said you've authorized this device. Like if I say like it, yeah, like you've authorized this your one of your devices, your computer or your phone will right. is the authorizer, I guess. And so I say, oh, cool, I'm David Trump 5000 on this website. And they're they're like, cool, we're going to start the authorization. This is for registering. We're just going to figure out who you are. And then there's a handshake. Like it'll say, like, log Dave in. And that says, my phone will say, you want to log into this site? I say, yes. And then the the website has to store this like public key credential thing or whatever. Like there's so there'll some, never be like a four-digit code. There'll never be any of that crap. It's it's just yes or no. It's just like yes or no. 
and See, that's it's, awesome, right? But you could never, if you just have a laptop only, you, it doesn't mean you're out, right? Because can't, can't like your one password or whatever be the I think one password is going to try to get into this game is kind of what it was saying. Like one password could stand in as a uh, as a passkey provider. So is just your computer good enough? If I implemented, if you implemented this on Lura, and the only c- computation device that I own in the entire world is a Mac laptop computer, am I out? Can I not use it? I think Mac, yes. Windows, no. Is is my understanding. Like, so why is my if my laptop is the only device I own, so I cannot okay it on any other device because I don't own one. It's that's not multi-factor often, really. It's, oh, so maybe that's not. What I always struggle to explain it to my friend because, um, or just any friend, a, a metaphorical friend. Uh, it, it literally came up the other night, and I was like, "Oh, passkeys, you got to look into this. They're the coolest." And then they're like, "Why?" And I'm like, "Well, they're see, you see, Matt, they're better." You know, like I was, I really <laughs> this struggled. This is, they're better, ergo, uh, <laughs> ipso facto. Well, I think better. they had the, the the correct thing of like, what's the experience like? And I'm like, oh, well, there just is no password, you know, because that's part of the, the C. And then I'm like, well, the, how is that secure? And I'm like, well, because because it, it it is more secure? Well, actually, I think the password would be the biometric on the device. Yeah, but I, I always understood the biometric to be optional. That that was okay. just like a bone. That's bonus security, not the primary security. But maybe it could become the primary security because because I think you would have to verify your identity on the phone or sorry on the computer somehow. So maybe you get a system password. Like there's got to be something right because if somebody can just grab your computer and be logged into anything that uses a passkey, that's horrible. That's the exact opposite of security, and we know that's not the case. That's definitely not the case. No, right? this this isn't like Dave Rupert homeworld a security system. This is this is web auth and no, FIDO is, security. All security people agree that this is great. Yeah. People are saying this is it. We solved it. We finally did it. This is the Math. future of of auth. You know. <laughs> But well, I, I can't even lock in the UX of it, how it even works in my mind. So this is a horrible podcast segment because they're like, either either people are slamming their dashboards of their car being like, you idiot, let me explain it to you. Or, you know, I also don't get it, which is not helpful. You're just as confused as us. Well, and it doesn't help that the demos are like, hey, dude, authenticate with us. And I'm like, no. Like, I don't know who you are, you freaking criminal. Like, I'm not going to, like, give Russia, like, my whatever access to my phone or whatever. That's that's what my irrational brain, I know enough that that's not what it does. But um, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm not going to do that. So, anyway, I should just set one up. So, but I, I've even thought, like, you know, you know, you have those projects, right? Like the little side projects, and you're just like, hey, this would be cool, but oh, shoot, I need them to have an account, right? And then you're like, cool, I'm never working on this idea again. Um, I feel like this would be a perfect situation for adding, like, for adding WebAuth, you know, this, this pass keys to your little project that you don't care what happens. And maybe you have a user in Superbase or whatever, but you just store the little credentials you need, which needs to be an array. I think that's what the blog post said, but um, because users can have multiple devices. But basically it's like you say, I'm Dave at Gmail, and they're like, cool, prove it. 
you know, and I, I don't, you know, can somebody register as Dave at Gmail? Maybe, uh, like how do we validate that? But maybe, uh, maybe there's different ways. I don't know. That, that's, that's where it breaks down for me. I don't know how you do that, but maybe there, you don't ever register for a website as Dave at Gmail. Maybe that's the trick. And maybe you only register as cool Lord or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it'll. I don't know. We're gonna have to have to figure it out. Do, it, because you use OAuth, are you gonna get it for quote unquote for free or auth zero? Um, the auth zero. I they have like a biometric thing. Like we can do like biometric challenges. Um, I think that starts getting into their enterprise stuff. But um, mm. I'm that that was part of the reason we knew we use them. I knew they. Could potentially have it probably before we could roll it out, you know. And that's part of like you know, they have two factor stuff. You know, I don't want to code my own SMS text message <laughs> infrastructure. So like, I just was like, you know, I'm just gonna let them let me know if when it comes out. So I think we're kind of like basing all that. If they get like the pass keys i i've asked and that no one really seemed to know but um i was probably talking to the wrong people but my my big bet i think was that i should use this service so i can get these new authentication pathways faster than i can code them that's yeah, sort of was my thought right? there so yeah it's really if all you wanted was like social auth i'd say that's really not that difficult and you can handle that pretty easily but as soon as now you're adding the question is, do you only have social auth or do you have your own auth thing too? And you're trying to combine them together and now pass keys. It, it does feel like a pretty nice thing to just outsource. That's why people use Cloudinary for their images and uh, or whatever. It's the, outsourcing any particular part of your stack just is awesome, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Please. Please, you deal with this instead. Uh, that would be great, you know? I don't want to think about how to turn on HTTP3. Oh, it's just a toggle in Cloudflare. Done. Sick. Thanks. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm looking at my things. It's like, you know, one-time password. Bloop. You know? Like, yeah. Uh, you know, WebAuth N with FIDO devices is a thing, but I don't, I don't, I think it's, that's all biometric. That's not, um, yeah. you know, um, the new pass keys, but that's the bet, you know. Jealous of looking at websites that just use every single DX thing that Stripe provides, you know, you're like, oh, when you check out, it just, it pops up the Stripe payment form. And then, so nobody had to code that. And then, you know, when you ask for an invoice, it just pops up a little Stripe default invoice. I'm like, oh my God, you don't even know how much time you saved. That's amazing. And it looks great and it it. looks trustful. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. No, I mean, it was just like, yeah, it's just like, even to the point it was like, do we need to save any of this data? on the system, like transactions. Very little. And it was like, no, I think like all we need is like a customer or a subscription ID or something, you know? You're better off not. I don't want it. And that's why I used Auth0. I don't want your password, dude. (laughs) Like (laughs) you could somebody else do that. I don't, I literally don't want it. Like that's a liability for me. Same with your credit cards. I don't, I literally don't want it. It's more than a liability. It's a data syncing problem. In the uh, drift problem, you know, your yeah. data can be wrong. You know whose data will never be wrong? Stripes. Right. Right. If a user falls off of the MailChimp list, oops, 
But if a user falls off of the uh, stinking authentication list, that's a problem. So mm. that's a that's a big one. So startup startup talk with Chris and Dave. You know, man, we're startup podcast here. Look at us. We're just. Uh, I was gonna get into. We don't even have time now. But there's a there's a pretty fun Robin Rendell post from back in February about vibe driven development that I just loved. You know, Robin has a habit once in a while of saying things that people are feeling that, <laughs> or I don't know, just to. Nobody says that. There's not a lot of blog posts that are like, forget data. Data's stupid. Just like, <laughs> just vibe it out. <laughs> and he means it, you know, which I which I love that because I've always kind of been that way myself. Be like, yes, yes, data. I know. And once in a while, I'm kind of happy that we have the data that we have and stuff. But uh, some part of me is like, yes, but I know what I want to do anyway. I don't really care what the data says. I I yeah, I agree. I I like I like vibes, but I'm also like to me an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Like if you tell me if the data is saying like this is bad and no one uses it, I'm like that's cool. I like data more than I like my feelings. I, I, <laughs> like you just tell me data exactly like, that. I I don't I don't disagree with that in some way because you don't know right. Like you if you if you literally the chart is telling you that nobody clicks that button, that's fine. But there is but there's a nuance to it. You know, like if if you if you use it. Or like you can demonstratively show you that clicking that button is actually awesome. It could be a you know a education problem or or a design problem or 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 something. But I don't know. Well, that, I mean that's just it. Is like so, sometimes you just have to be like, cool. No one clicked it. What what do we do now? What what levers do we have? You know, like do we need to email? Do we need to? make the button, make the logo bigger or whatever, you know, like what, what do we do if no one clicks it? So I, I, but, but, and then sometimes you just need to believe in yourself too. I think that's the other thing is like, no, like we're, we make okay decisions. So like, this is probably useful. Um, and we, you know, users told us they wanted this. That's another way to, you know, don't just make something, make sure somebody needs something. Um, but, but yeah, it's just like if somebody tells you they want something, then at least you know somebody wants it. They just aren't using it. So, all right, man. Well, next week, more unanswerable questions. More <laughs> questions. Send us your questions and we will attempt to answer them and then we'll just circle around the drain and not answer them. Thank you, <laughs> dear listener, <laughs> for downloading this annual podcast your choice. Be sure to start heart favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. If you want to know more about the web components, I would love to show you some beautiful ones. I, I know very many. Um, and then uh, follow us or join us in the Discord, patreon.com slash shop talk show. And Chris, anything else you'd like to say? Mm, shop talk show.com. <laughs>